Good evening, everyone. This is Faith Boost, Overcoming in Turbulent Times. We started this morning, 10 a.m., with Reverend Paxi Caminetti. She shared along the lines of prayer how it's important to have a close fellowship with God, the place of standing against fear, being of good chair, and a lot of awesome truths that are just tremendous. It was more of a question and answer session. Tomorrow morning, same time, 10 a.m., Reverend Patsy Caminetti will be coming up, and this time around, she'll just be sharing God's word. She'll be sharing God's word from our heart. And the format of that will be different from the way it was this morning. Well, this evening, it's my pleasure to uh, introduce to us Reverend Tony Cook, a seasoned minister of God's word, just a huge blessing to the body of Christ. Reverend Tony, so glad to have you, sir. Thank you, Brother Tokes. So and glad I, to have you. I'm so glad to be with you and all the wonderful people in Nigeria. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. It's um, uh, The theme of the meeting is about how to overcome in turbulent times and um, the place of faith, how uh, our faith needs to be boosted at a time like this because of all the things that are going on. Well, maybe you want to just start by telling us about yourself, uh, how you got to know the Lord, your experience in ministry, just a little bit about yourself okay. so that they could be. Yes, sir. I will do that, Brother Tokes. And by the way, did, did anyone in Nigeria hear angels singing today? Have you heard any reports? <laughs> Have you heard any reports? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I heard that angels were singing "Happy Birthday, Dear Tokes." Oh, thank was, you, sir. Were there angels singing "Happy Birthday" to you? <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank I, I you, would, sir. I would sing. I would sing "Happy Birthday" to you, but it would not be angelic. I guarantee you. Oh, so, thank you, sir. Allow me, allow me to wish you a happy birthday just with the statement, all right? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I'm so grateful. Well, thank you. And sir. Brother Coates, um, I was uh, raised in church, but I was raised in what I would call a, a mainline denominational church. And so I was never very excited about church. Um, I, it, I found it very boring. Um, but I respected God. I, I believed in God. Uh, I just thought church was very uninteresting. And, and I didn't really enjoy going, but I believed the basic things they told me. And, um, but when I was 18 years of age, a friend invited me to a meeting. And I didn't really want to go to it because he, it was a church-type meeting. Uh, but at this meeting, when I was 18 years old, uh, it was very, very different than any church meeting I had ever been a part of. It was not just intellectual information, uh, but there was a real sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the gentleman Amen. that was leading this meeting uh, had, had a healing ministry. He, God used him in praying for the sick. And I had, it wasn't a horrible problem, but it was, it was a back problem. And it had always caused me just pain. You know, it didn't stop me from doing anything. 
I still engaged in sports and things like that, but I always had this pain in my back and I'd had it for at least two years. And I had been to um, three different types of doctors trying to get help. And they all basically said, we can't do anything for you. And that night, this was just a few weeks after I graduated from high school, uh, the man who was leading that meeting asked people, he said, if you have back problems, stand up. So I stood up and he singled me out and asked me to come forward, which I did. And he prayed for me and God instantly healed my back instantly. I had had pain for two years and immediately it was completely well. And, um, and that really got my attention. See, I had always believed that everything God did that was supernatural Mm. or miraculous, I believed he did it way back in history. I believed he did it way back in the days of the Bible. Mm. I believe that God split the Red Sea and that Jesus Mm. walked on water. But I just thought, well, all this happened in the Bible. Uh, But all of a sudden now God was doing this in my Mm. life right now. And it was just, it was just a, a big wow. shock to me. And later that night, Amen. the same friend that took me to the meeting uh, asked me, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit tonight? And I thought that was a very unusual question because in my church, we talked about the Holy Spirit every service because every time we got together, yeah. we would recite the Apostles' Creed we would sing the doxology. And so I heard about the Holy Spirit every service, but to me, it was just kind of a theoretical, conceptual type of thing. I didn't realize the Holy Spirit was a person who could impact our life and deliver God's healing power into our lives. And so all of a sudden, this thing that was very, theological, all of a sudden it became very personal, became very meaningful. And he prayed for me that night. Uh, My friend prayed for me and I was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And that was um, 40, uh, 41, going on 42 years ago now. And um, and I've been enjoying him the, the person of the Holy Spirit ever since. And he, and you know, as you know, he is our helper. He's our strengthener. He's our Amen. guide. He's our teacher. And um, he reveals Jesus to us and reveals the Father. And he, he makes the word of God. Of course, he's the author. He inspired the, the writing of scripture. And Amen. so uh, because he's the author He's able to really help us understand the Bible. Uh, he's Amen. really able to make it come alive to us. And Praise so, um, so and, and my wife and I got married two years later, and um, uh, we immediately moved to Tulsa to attend Rama. And I was just 20 years old at the time, and my wife and I began uh, our married life together as janitors at a local church. We cleaned the church. We cleaned the bathrooms and the children's rooms and ran the vacuum cleaner and, you know, did everything to keep the building clean. And that was during our first year of Rama. 
And then for my second year of Rhema, that same church, and by the way, this is the church that Oral Roberts had been a member of. Um, wow. It was his church in Tulsa for his first many years in Tulsa. And so, wow. um, uh, but that church then asked me to be the assistant pastor. And so I, while I was going to my second year of Rhema, I, I was the assistant pastor of that church and did that all through my second year plus another two and a half years. Uh, and then in 1983, uh, Pastor and Mrs. Hagen asked me to come and be a part of the teaching faculty at Rama, And so I went to Rama then to teach uh, and did that for 18 and a half years and worked wow. with the church, with the development of the church, the development of the ministerial association, with the alumni association. So, uh, so thankful for the Hagens and for Rama. Thankful for you, Pastor Tokes, and all that Raymond Nigeria is doing. And so great to see the multiplication around the world. Uh, Jesus Church is, he is building his church. And, and we know it's not the Rama, uh, you know, yeah. family. We're just part of a much bigger family. Um, but uh, this is our branch, and we're thankful for it. And then in the year 2002, after being on staff at Raymond for 18 and a half years, uh, the Lord spoke to my wife and I, and we launched out into traveling ministry. And uh, that was uh, 18 years ago. And we have preached now in, let me think, it would be 31 nations and 47 of the states of the 50 United States. And wow. so we love what we do. We, we, uh, we have a very simple assignment. And, and the Lord simply put in my heart, strengthen churches and leaders. And so that's what we pour our focus into. The books we've written, the seminars, the things we teach and do, it all has a goal toward strengthening churches and leaders. Because yeah. Jesus loves churches and he, he needs his leaders, his pastors, his different servants to lead and to feed the people of God and to, uh, minister and care for them. So uh, we just feel so privileged to uh, do what we've been called to do. And we're so thankful for you and what you're doing there in Nigeria, Brother Pope. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Um, it's obvious it's a, a main passion in your heart, just like you said, to strengthen churches and leaders to strengthen churches and leaders. Brother Hagin was once asked what God is doing in these last days. He said he's building strong local churches, teaching them the flow in the supernatural. In the light of this pandemic that has hit the world, how would you say churches can be strengthened and what are the things that you consider uh, ways to help churches at this time, leaders, ministers, uh, believers? What would you say, sir? I think, Brother Tokes, one of the very important things for churches to know and for pastors in particular to know is that nothing, absolutely nothing, can change our mission. Uh, things can change our methods. Our methods mm. can change. But our mission, our mandate, has not changed one bit. 
Whoa. And if people are focused on their methods, like mm. for example, we think, um, well, let me give you an example. Uh, what the Lord told me specifically, what he put in my heart was that phrase I used a few minutes ago, strengthen churches and leaders. That, that is our mission. One of the methods, notice this, one of the methods that we have used these past 18 years is traveling and doing meetings in churches and conferences. You, you and I did a meeting a couple of years ago in Zambia. That was so fun being with you and Kuna. And if, if Pastor Walker and Haley are watching, hello to you in Lusaka. Uh, but, but we had a great time there. That was so much fun. But so sure. one of the ways, one of the methods that we have used is traveling and doing meetings. But that's not our mission. Mm. Our mission is to strengthen churches and leaders. Now, mm. our methods don't work right now. Mm. Nobody's traveling. Yes, sir. Uh, many churches are not allowed to meet in person. Some of mm. that's changing, but much of the world right now, um, churches are not allowed to meet. So if our mission was to mm. travel and hold meetings, then we're in big trouble. But mm. that's not a mission. That was a yes, method. Mm. Methods are many. Uh, mm. Methods can be temporary. They can change. But mission never changes. Amen. The mission of the church. Now, I, I don't want this to sound wrong because the Bible does say we are to assemble together. Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm very much a believer in don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But let's just take an example. At the end of Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 7, you have the story of the persecution and even the death of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. And it says, uh, as you move into chapter 8, verse 1 through 4, thereabouts, it talks about there arose a great persecution against the church. And, and I've heard some people calling this persecution, and for the most part, it's not. There, there, can, be some, there can be some groups that, you know, do persecute, the, but but most places, this is a health issue and, and that type of thing. So I, I've been a little bit concerned about people, oh, we're being persecuted. That's probably not the case in most of the situations. Yes, but sir. Literally, in the book of Acts, there arose a great persecution against the church. And uh, they were not able to meet. for. They were not able to get together for a time. But what the Bible says, that the, the, the Christians were scattered everywhere. Yes, sir. Um, and, but the Bible says, and those that were scattered abroad, they went everywhere preaching the word. Okay? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So their mission had not changed. Their mm. methods had changed. They weren't able to get together for a little season there because of the persecution. They got dispersed. We, we sometimes use the word the diaspora. They got dispersed. and um, But, you know, they didn't say, oh, well, we can't meet together, so we have no purpose anymore. No, they mm. still had a purpose. 
um, because, you know, yes, we do. We thank God when we can assemble and we should when we can. But um, Jesus didn't say go into all the world and hold meetings. He said go mm. into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, if you can have meetings, yes, that's great. But even if you can't sure. have meetings, Jesus said preach the gospel and make right. disciples. Now, having meetings is one way we do that, but it's not the only way. And so we have to understand the difference between our mission and the methods that we use. And if one method is temporarily interrupted, then we find other ways to carry out the mission. Paul, Mm. you know, for example, he was an apostle to the Gentiles. Jesus gave him an assignment to reach the the people who were not of the Jewish faith. You know, Peter was an apostle to the circumcision or to the Jews, but Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. But you know what? There were times he could not go to the Gentiles. There were times where he got thrown in prison. It messed up his methods. Uh, He Mm. couldn't travel from church to church. He couldn't go uh, visit the people he wanted to visit. It messed up his methods, but it did not change his mission. Mm. His mission was to uh, everything that we find incorporated in his, what he found was a new method, and that was writing letters. And uh, if I'm so privileged to meet Paul in heaven, you know, I don't want to go up to him and say, Paul, I'm so glad you got thrown into prison. that but you know what Be, when because paul was in prison we have the letter to the ephesians the philippians yes, Colossians, Philemon. Yes, we have second timothy so I, i'm not glad that paul got thrown into prison for his sake uh but i'm thankful for us today because he, he found a new way a new method to express his mission so I encourage pastors, you know, both stateside and abroad, that the way you do ministry may have changed, mm. but the ministry that we have been given has not changed. Amen. So we have to understand what is our mission, what are our methods. Our methods may change from time to time, but our mission never changes. Amen. 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 Many people are. Uh, in the church world, there's a lot of fear, a lot of um, anxiety, uncertainty about health issues, about this just looks kind of like this is such a storm. You know, I have your book here, Through the Storms. Excellent, yes. excellent piece. This is kind of like a storm. And what would you say could be the best approach of, that we could take as the church? in a time like this individually and also in helping other people and in reaching the world with the gospel yes well i think one of the things brother tokes is to understand and always remember that we are not in heaven yet uh you know jesus told us to pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven but we're not in heaven yet. And yes, sir. Uh, 
we have to understand that we live, the world that we live in is a fallen world. Satan is, according to Paul, Satan is the God of this world. Yes, sir. We're looking forward to the time when, you know, Jesus will absolutely rule and reign. But we are told to occupy until mm. he comes. And we've yes, been sir. given certain tools and weapons. Uh, we are in enemy territory, so to speak. Mm. We live in a fallen world. And there are principalities and there are powers and different things of that nature. And so I think one of the main things we need to remember is don't be surprised when problems happen in this world. Uh, Mm. Psalm 34 verse 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. I think some people, Brother Tokes, they they kind of think that, well, if I I pray, I have faith, then I will never face any problems in life. And Mm. that is not faith. That is what I call wishful thinking. Mm. That is idealistic thinking. And when people have that idea that if I pray, if I have faith, if I obey God, then I will never face any problems. They're setting themselves up for real disappointment. They're setting themselves up for disillusionment because Mm. if that is true, that if we have faith and we pray and we obey God, then Paul must have been out of the will of God. Yes, Yes, Um, sir. He was constantly facing adversity and challenges. And I know there's all different kinds of adversities and challenges. But but the Bible says in Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. So it's not an issue of me saying, okay, God, I'm going to pray today and I don't ever want to face any problems. The Bible doesn't promise us that we will Mm. never face a problem. The Bible Mm. promises us that we will never face a problem that is bigger than our God. The Bible promises us that we will never face a problem that God does not give us power and and, uh, uh, faith and and, uh, weapons and tools to deal with it. Some people say, yeah, but that's in the Old Testament. So, okay, let's look at something in the New Testament, even from Jesus himself. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Uh, yes, he, he said, these things have I spoken unto me that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of yes, good sir. cheer. I have overcome the world. See, the Bible says, Jesus went on to say in the next chapter, John 17, that we are in the world, but we mm. are not of the world. And yes, the sir. Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So see, a lot of people, they want to have victory without ever having a battle. I Mm. don't want, you know, my flesh prefers comfort and ease and 
tranquility and harmony and all that. But we get to have all that when we get to heaven. <laughs> yes, sir. Here, what we get is the helmet of salvation, the plate of righteousness, the shield of faith. Uh, yes, there, if we were not going to face some battles in life, uh, mm. God would not have given us armor. And let's not forget the sword of the spirit, which is the Amen. word. Brother Tokes, you know this very well, but we live in a fallen world. And as yes, long sir. as we're in this world, we're going to deal with adversity. Dealing with adversity does not mean that we lack faith. Faith mm. is our response to adversity. Um, some people feel like, well, if something negative happens, well, I must have sinned. I must have, you know, that type of thing. And, and you mentioned the book a few minutes ago, uh, Through the Storms. And in that book, we talk about three different types of storms in the Bible. And there's really more. We just chose those three. But the storm of Jonah, he, Jonah got into his storm because of disobedience. God told him to go to Nineveh, and he didn't want to go. He ran away. He, he was going the exact opposite direction to a place called Tarshish, and uh, God told him to go to Nineveh, which was north and east, and uh, uh, Jonah was going as far west as he could possibly go. And he got into a storm. Jonah got into his storm because of disobedience. And he got out of his storm through repentance and through consecration. But some people feel like that any storm they get into, there must be sin in their life. They must be in disobedience. But the fact of the matter is, Jonah, that only represents one type of storm. Uh, the other type of storm, a second storm, is the storm of the disciples. And in Mark chapter 4, Jesus told the disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the disciples immediately cooperated with Jesus. They, they stepped away from the crowd. They put Jesus in the boat and they start sailing to the other side. Brother Tokes, they were doing exactly 100% what Jesus asked them to do. And the very next verse says, and a great windstorm arose and it beat into the boat so that it was filling up with water. And you know, those disciples had a fear reaction. They panicked and they said, Jesus, don't you care that we are perishing? Well, Jesus, he gets up. He was asleep. He, he, he got up and he rebuked yeah. the storm. And immediately there was a great calm. Yes, so here's the contrast. We See, this is why we need to understand there's different types of storms. Uh, the storm of Jonah yes, happened when Jonah was in disobedience. But the disciples yes, got into their storm when they were in perfect obedience. obedience. And yes, uh, so that tells us, Brother Tokes, there's one of two times we can have a storm when we're in mm. the will of God or when we're out of the will of God. <laughs> yes, sir. Time. So um, yes, sir. there's a third type of storm that I think probably is most relevant to what we're going through all around the world right now. And that is, I, I compare it to the storm of Paul. 
Mm. In Acts chapter 27, Paul is a prisoner. Mm. Uh, you know, when I won't go into all the details, but, but he had been arrested in Jerusalem. He had spent a couple of years in prison in uh, Caesarea in Israel. Uh, he realized, I'm not going to get a fair trial. We need to understand life is not always fair. And yes, so Paul, he, Paul did what he could do as a citizen. He was mm. a Roman citizen, and he exercised his rights, and he appealed his case to Caesar. Mm. So this means now it's the authority, it's the Roman authorities that are responsible to transport him from the coast of Israel all the way to Rome. And of course, this involved a journey by sea. Well, they made it out to the island of Crete, and Paul begins to sense something in his heart. Something's mm. not right. Something's, and he says, gentlemen, uh, I perceive that mm. we should not make this journey. And we, we, the Bible tells us that winter was coming. The Mediterranean could be very rough at that time. And Paul perceives that they should not take the journey. But here's, here's what happens, Brother Tokes, is that nobody listened to Paul. Mm. People don't always listen to the preacher. People don't <laughs> always listen to the Holy yes. Spirit. Yes, and, sir. And, and, and people don't always do the right thing. Mm. And they set sail anyway. Now, because Paul was a prisoner, he had no choice. Mm. Whatever, whatever, and the Bible even says uh, that that the majority decided. In other words, mm. it was what other people did that ended up affecting Paul. Mm. Um, we're not here in any way to get into who blaming who or whatever. I'm just saying, you know, none of us asked for this situation. Yes, and, sir. Uh, it, it, it's happened, and other people will figure all those things out, but. But we're kind of like Paul. We're along for the ride, but we mm. really don't want to be here. Mm. You know, if any of us could, uh, you know, just make this not happen, we would. But, but you know, just like Paul was on that ship, and they That's got good. into a storm, Brother Tokes, mm. that, that lasted for 14 days and 14 nights. Mm. And the Bible says that everybody on that ship felt, and I think it, except Paul, Luke was saying to everybody, but everybody fell into hopelessness and despair. And the reason I believe Paul may have been a little bit in a different category is Paul was praying. Yes, because sir. after those many, many nights, an angel appears to Paul and says, Paul, be of good cheer. Uh, you're going to make it to Rome. And I'm going to, God said uh, through the angel, I'm going to spare all the people on this ship. See, Paul had been praying for the other people. Mm. It's, it's kind of easy in a, in a, tra a crisis type situation to just pray for me. But Paul was praying for everybody else on the ship. And the angel said, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Now, mm. those were the people that put Paul in the situation. Mm. Paul had to have extra grace to pray for the very people who put his life in jeopardy. Danger. And mm. um, but, but anyway, God came through. But here's the thing. Paul got into his storm, 
because of the disobedience of other people. Jonah got into his storm by his own personal disobedience. Uh, The disciples got into their storm in the midst of perfect obedience. And Paul got into his storm because of other people who disobeyed. Other people did something wrong and it affected Paul. Now, here's something that's very interesting. Jesus got up in the boat in Mark chapter four, and he rebuked the storm. And the Bible says, and immediately there was a great calm. And people sometimes wonder, well, why didn't Paul do that? And Brother Tokes, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Maybe you have more wisdom on that than I do, but I'm inclined to believe, I'm not saying I'm right, but I'm inclined to believe that that Paul did not do that because the Holy Spirit wasn't leading that way in that situation. Paul had to, whether we like this or not, Paul had to ride the storm out. He had to persevere in faith through the storm. That's one of the way, one of the ideas that we incorporated into the title is that we're not always delivered just from a storm. Sometimes we're delivered through the storm. But here's the thing. When you look at all these stories, Jonah, the disciples, and Paul, they all three made it through the storm. Jonah ended up going to Nineveh like he was supposed to do. Jesus ended up on the other side of the lake where he wanted to be. And that's where Jesus set the madman of Gadara free, delivered that tormented, possessed man by the power of God. And Paul made it to Rome uh, and bore witness to Caesar of of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what we see here is that you have storms, but you have destinations. And the danger is that we get so focused on our storm that we forget what our destination is. We we think only about surviving the storm, which I understand, you know, and, and, and brother Tokes, I want to say this people when, when, when really horrible news comes, many people do feel afraid. They have fearful thoughts. And I pray that the people watching this, if they've dealt with some of those fearful thoughts, even if they're dealing with some fear now, I pray that they do not feel condemned because they're dealing with fear. Um, God loves you even if you're afraid. And God doesn't want to condemn you because you're dealing with fear. God wants to help you overcome your fear. So if you're dealing with fear, don't feel like you have to feel ashamed and condemned and that you have to run away from God. No, run to God. You know, David one time, I think it's in Psalm 56, but I'd have to look. David one time said, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in the Lord. Notice what he said, when I am afraid. But the very next verse, he says, 
I have put my trust in the Lord, therefore I will not fear. And it's almost like he's saying two different things, but he's really not contradicting himself. We're just seeing there that, hey, there were times when David was afraid. And when he was afraid, he would run to God. He would put Mm. his faith in God. And then he would get real bold and say, I have put my faith in God. Therefore, I will not fear. And uh, people want to live in the second part of that verse. But hey, we're human beings. And, uh, you know, even Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, he, and, and, and I don't share this as our ultimate goal, but it is where Paul was at, at that moment. Paul said, when we passed into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. Um, we were troubled on every side. On the outside were fightings. On the inside were fears. Mm. Paul acknowledged he, he mm. and, and and stop and think about it. Uh, he when he came into mass, his flesh had no rest. He was troubled on every side. You know, brother Toke. Sometimes people just get worn down by life. Yes, it's sir. Deep. They're dealing with these pressures and circumstances and thoughts and financial things and family things and health concerns and all these. And they just kind of they, they lose their they lose their their sense of focus. Mm-hmm. And and when people are tired, uh, Paul mm-hmm. said we our flesh had no rest when we get tired, when we get fatigued. Mm-hmm. worn out it's it's hard to be in faith yes it's sir. hard to be in joy yes sir. but that's where we have to you know go back praise god brother tony was just talking about the different kinds of storms that we face and um, how sometimes people have to deal with fears and um, we don't have to feel condemned. Yes, sir. I'm back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. So, yeah, so we, we, we want to be compassionate toward people. Some people feel like, well, if my faith is not perfect, then, mm. um, you know, Christians will condemn me and Jesus will condemn me. And, and we all want to have strong faith. But, um, you know, I always remember the man that came to Jesus and he said, Lord, I believe, but help Mm. my unbelief. And Mm. Jesus didn't say, go away. Don't Mm. come back until you're perfect. Mm. Jesus helped him. Jesus will meet us where we are. Mm. And he wants to help us in our struggles. He doesn't want to condemn us because we are struggling. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's but awesome. you have those three kinds of storms, and and um, we all would like to have our storms end immediately, but we do see examples in the Bible where people had to, uh, that's why the Bible says in Hebrews, it's through faith and patience that mm. we inherit the promises. You know, I have a lot of preacher friends just like you do, and um, a lot of my preacher friends, and I say this lovingly and, and supportively and all that, but they all love to preach sermons about the God of the suddenlies. 
And those are something sermons, and everybody shouts and gets a yeah, the God. And, and 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 there's nothing wrong with that. God does some yes. things suddenly, but nobody ever wants to preach on the God of the gradualies. Mm. Have you ever noticed that? Yes, if, sir. If, if you were having a conference and you had workshops and in one classroom they were teaching on the God of the suddenlies, and <laughs> they were teaching on the God of the gradualies. Nobody would go to the God of the gradualies. But you mm. know what? More often than not, we mm. see things happen in our life gradually. Gradually. Process, mm. you know. Um, just like, uh, you know, when Jesus talked about the parable of the sword, what he talked about, the blade, then this, then, and then finally the full corn in the ear. There's a lot that happens gradually in life. And God's just as much involved in the gradualies as he is in the suddenlies. It's just the suddenlies are more exciting. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hmm. I'm reminded of a statement that um, John G. Lake said that many of our instant healings are a curse. That right. many times people get healed uh, instantly and they forget to keep believing God. Uh, they forget to keep walking with God. But when people, as they trust God, walk with him, they begin to recover. They not only get the blessing, but it builds something of eternal value. Mm. Right. Yes, sir. You know, Brother Hagen, I heard Brother Hagen say the same thing with my own ears. Mm. And always, you know, I started being a student under him back in 1979 and, mm. um, you know, worked there until 2002. And he passed away, of course, in 2003. And I'd say 99% of the things I heard Brother Hagen say, I just, oh, I agreed with them and they bore witness with my heart and and, you know, sounded great and all that. But there were a couple of things he said over the years that when he said them, I thought, oh, Brother Hagen, you know, that you, you, I'm sorry, but you're really wrong on that. And, 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 and one of the things I heard him say that I disagreed with was when he said uh, many times, he didn't say every time, he mm. said many times, instant healings are more of a curse than a blessing. Mm. And I didn't understand what he was trying to communicate at that point. I mean, of course, we always rejoice when healing happens. God is the healer and that type of thing. But what he meant, and, and he went on to explain. Mm. And when he explained it, I got over my initial reaction. <laughs> yes. Uh, he said that when people are healed by uh, instantaneously, mm. he said it is usually based on a gift of the spirit, which thank God for the gifts of the spirit, mm. or it's based on the faith or the anointing of the person doing the praying. Mm. Many times when instant healings happen, it has really nothing to do with the faith of the person that's being prayed for. I know mm. for myself um, in 1977 at that meeting that I talked about when I went forward and that man prayed for my back, if you'd asked me when I went up to that healing line, uh, do you know for sure that you're going to be healed? I would have said, <laughs> no, I, I just told you to come up there. So I'm just going up there. Uh, mm. 
God healed me not because I had any faith, but God yes, healed me through the gift that this man operated in through his anointing. And um, what happens, I just, I see somebody special there. You see, right? I do. Hello, folks. Good afternoon, sir. I'm, I'm interrupting this, this uh, live stream just to tell you happy birthday. Oh, thank you, Dad. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, sir. Thank All you. Right. Great to see you. How you doing, Tony? Good. You preached a great sermon on Sunday. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I I just wanted to I just wanted to interrupt here for just a minute and tell you happy birthday, talks. God thank bless you. you. Thank you, sir. Thank Looking you. Forward sir. to the next time we get to see you. Yes, sir. You can All drop right. in and interrupt anytime. You have an opportunity. Please. Okay. Thank you, sir. God bless you guys. See you later. Hey, thank you, Bye. Dad. Thank Bye. you, sir. That was that fun. Was, it was. Pastor Hagen was going to drop in. I did it. That, that was a surprise. Well, you know, Pastor Walker is the one that told me that it was your birthday. So there may be people working behind the scenes. <laughs> oh. And I think they're working with your staff, too. They're working with your staff. Next. <laughs> I had no clue. Yeah. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank well, you, sir. Um, but then Brother Hagen went on to explain that when when people are not healed instantly, mm. uh, but you know, because Brother Hagen, one thing he always said, one way, not the only way. Yes, sir. When he was gonna lay hands on people for healing, uh, he would say one way. Not mm. the only way yes, that sir. God ministers healing is through the yes, laying sir. on of hands. And yes, he sir. did not want people getting married to a method. Mm. He wanted people, see, like uh, Naaman, the Syrian leper, the commander, uh, he had it in his mind. When I go see uh, Elijah, he's going to come out and he's going to wave his hand over me and I'll be healed. Well, that's not how Elijah did it. Elijah said, go dip in the river Jordan seven times. Mm. And he got mad because yeah. see, we go back to the methods. God uses many methods. Mm. Um, and so, um, but but Brother Hagen went on to explain that when people are healed by simply building their own faith, for example, in Proverbs 4, his word becomes medicine to our flesh. Um, when people receive healing based on just meditating in the word, letting the word become real in their heart, faith arising, things like that. Well, that's not only the faith that will get you healed, but that's mm -hmm. also the faith that will repel a counterattack. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Satan will try to come back and do stuff. You know, he'll try to check and see if he can put that back on a person and things <laughs> of that nature. So, um, so we just... You know, we, we don't want to be married to methods. We want to mm -hmm. uh, be open to God, however you want to do this. And, yes, and realize that, um, you know, the Holy Spirit may lead different ways at different times. And, you know, Brother Tokes, I think that's one of the things that's really important during this situation in life. Mm -hmm. we, need to, we need to know about faith. We need mm -hmm. to know about trusting God.
Amen. But another thing, we really need to know about how to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit is going to give us wisdom. And he'll, he'll show us things to do, things not to do. Um, you know, he, he will, he will, I, no one is more creative than the Holy Spirit. And Amen. he'll give us ideas and ways to minister and to, you know, help our families and to help our neighbors and do all kinds of things that we might not have ever thought of. So this is really a good time to be trusting God and to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to trust him and and respond to his leadership and guidance. Amen. Amen. Mm, That's that's rich. That's rich. Um, Talking about as this is uh, all this is happening, what are things that could help us not just survive, but actually thrive through mm-hmm. this whole thing? And what maybe our focus, should our focus be just about this? Or should we see a possibility of um, what God wants to do in these end times, uh, a revival on the horizon? What, what do you say about that, sir? Yeah, you know, this is something that's been... Uh, the, the, the really intellectual people who are into statistics and studies and research and all that, they have found, um, and I don't have any of that information in front of me, but they have found that it's, it, it's times just like this. And I'm speaking now, not from a spiritual standpoint, but just even a, a sociological standpoint, a psychological standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but the researchers have found that when there is any kind of upheaval, mm. uh, transition, um, you know, uh, trauma, crisis, whatever, that is when people are the most open to look for help, to look for mm. resources, spiritual resources that they've never been um, inclined to be uh open about. Mm. And so just from a purely human standpoint, there are more people searching for answers right now than ever before. Mm. And when, whenever this thing kind of subsides and we kind of get back to life as normal, whatever that looks like, when, when people get back more to normal, they're going to be less spiritually open. That's Mm. just historically Mm. true. Um, whenever, for example, whenever there have been movements of people groups, um, you know, some form of, you know, mass migration, they, they have found that if the church will reach out and connect with that community, uh, at that time of transition, there will be a massive harvest. But if they wait for a couple of years, until that people group settles and gets back into their routine and all that, that they're not nearly as open. And Mm. so I just believe that strategically uh, that we need to uh, take advantage, uh, not in a negative or manipulative way, but in a, in a positive way uh, to really reach out with the love of God, like never before. Um, Even some of the, um, 
when you go back and study church history in the first few centuries, I think I remember reading something in the third century. Uh, and I want to say it was probably over more toward what today is Libya, um, mm. Northern Africa. The, the Roman Empire didn't really like the Christians a lot. Mm. But when, when, when a massive plague went through uh, that part of the world, which was pretty common back then, um, it made a huge impression on mm. the, uh, the pagans, mm. uh, the polytheists, mm. uh, how the Christians loved one another and how the Christians served their communities. And, you know, we all know that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We know the spiritual uh, power of the truth of the gospel. But the fact of the matter is, many times the world isn't really open spiritually to hear uh, mm. until their heart has been touched. And, and many times the world is kind of deaf to our message until mm. their heart has been touched. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that, you're my, that you have love one for another. So the way that Christians love each other, the way that we treat each other as a family and that mm. we support each other and we look out for the weak and we look out for the vulnerable and we care and have compassion for one another, that can be a major witness to the world. Um, you know, preachers want to preach, okay? Um, but Jesus said it was because how we love one another. Mm. And another thing that Jesus said would impact the world, he said, uh, let your light, Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men uh, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Amen. So, uh, you know, people are being very creative today about preaching. And I'm all for that. I'm a Bible teacher. So I've been doing new things to teach through different methods and avenues. And I'm all for that. But, but uh, not only should we be looking for ways to verbalize the message, but we should be looking for ways to uh, incarnate the message. Uh, I don't mean we're the incarnation the way Jesus is the incarnation, but but we we take the message and we live it out through our human lives by the way we love one another and by the way we serve our communities. And I think that's going to have a massive impact um, in helping us reach the world and impact the world at times like mm. this. Because people are, they're open to God. They're, they're realizing that, wow, our governments, they have limitations, you mm. know, and thank God for our governments. Thank God for the medical people and all that. But, but none of them are God. And mm. um, we pray for our leaders, our government leaders. We pray for the doctors and the nurses and we're thankful for them. Uh, but they can only do so much. And, and, if people are, if their heart, if their faith is in their government or their faith is in their doctor or their faith is in the medicine, all those may be good and they may help us at a time, but, but there's going to come a time when the government can't help us. There's going to come a time when a doctor says, I'm sorry, there's nothing more I can do. There's going to be a time when a medicine 
a pill or a shot, it, it's not going to work. And Amen. we need something bigger than a government, bigger yes, than sir. a doctor, bigger than a medicine. We need God. Amen. People are, people are recognizing that. Mm, praise God. Praise God. You, you've been working for some time on a, a book recently about miracles, the supernatural. And then you've done a lot of work about in church history, pandemics and time past. What would you say are some patterns you've seen about previous pandemics and the fact that is this really entirely new or we've never seen pandemics at all or it's something that it's a recurring decimal and tying that to the miraculous, the supernatural, can we mm -hmm. expect another move of God now? Certainly. Are those things just things of the past? How can they help reap the harvest in these mm -hmm. last days? Yeah. You know, such a good question. Jesus said, and, and, and I don't know, Pastor Tokes, if you're hearing a lot of this in Nigeria or not, but in America, people have been saying, you know, is this a sign of the last days? Is this yeah. a judgment from God? Mm. You know, all different kinds of questions. And um, th the fact of the matter is, um, Jesus said these things were going to happen. Yes, and um, he said, in the last days, there will be earthquakes. There will be, you know, um, distress of nations. There will be plagues or pestilence. So Jesus knew these things were going to happen. And he didn't, um, you know, he just basically said they're going to happen. So he expects us to deal with them when they happen. And, yes, and to, but to stay on mission, to stay on focus. Uh, whether there's a plague or not, we're mm. to preach the gospel. Yes, whether sir. there is an earthquake or not, yes, we sir. are to preach the gospel. Yes, sir. And when we can help people in need, we're to help people in need, but we're to preach the gospel. Mm. And so I don't want anybody to make this the, the focus of this is the sign of the end times. You know, this is probably one of the birth pangs that Jesus talked about and that Romans talks about, Romans 8, you know, that we live in a fallen world. The creation is groaning in childbirth and so on. And, um, you know, the, the world originally was sold uh, under sin and, um, and the earth itself has been groaning, uh, waiting for its redemption, mm. according to Romans chapter 8. And so... Um, but historically, yes, um, uh, there have been plagues all through history. And uh, one that I happened to look at early in this process was uh, one that Martin Luther dealt with. Mm. And um, in Germany, back in the, I'm trying to think what year it was, it was in the 1520s. And mm. uh, they had some plagues back then that would take out half the population or a wow. third of the population. And you know, we, we, you know, regret every person who is affected negatively. I just prayed Brother Tokes with a lady yesterday, a really sweet lady, and her son just died uh, oh. her son on Saturday, and he was 58 years old, and mm. she had been one of my students back at Rama in 1991, and mm. she called me to let me know that her son had died, and and, you know, your heart just goes out. So, um, 
you, we can sometimes we give all these statistics and we get very calloused and but you know every time somebody leaves this earth because of some kind of disease or you know somebody's hurting over that yes, you know sir. there's a mom there's a child there's a brother sister and so you know we, we want to be compassionate but you know when you go back into some of the things that europe faced the black death or the bubonic plague things like that they had much higher rates of death than what many parts of the world are experiencing with the coronavirus and the church had to deal with it yeah. and Martin Luther, I just read about him in, in one of one of the plagues that he went through. Um, they would, you know, they try to get people out of town if they could, because they began to realize that, you know, well, if you're in an area where a lot of people are getting it, maybe you could be safer somewhere else. And Martin Luther, in one of those, he even told some of the other pastors in town, he said, uh, why don't you guys leave? He said, I'm going to stay. I'm going to care for the sick. They didn't hmm. have all the doctors and nurses. They didn't have all the medicines, you know, that maybe today's world has. Um, and Martin Luther actually opened up his own home uh, hmm. to receive sick and dying people. They saw, you know, if you think of Mother Teresa hmm. and the compassion that, that she would exhibit toward people, you know, that she didn't want people dying in the street and things like that. And they would you know, just out of compassion, they would take people in. And, and Martin Luther very much did the same thing. And, and they showed a compassion for people. And, and they also, Martin Luther talked about, I don't know what this looked like in the 1520s, but they talked about fumigating. I don't know mm. what they would spray. They would do, what it basically boils down to is they would do whatever they could. If there was something that they thought was medicinal and helpful and things like that. Uh, Augustine, um, of course, all these, a lot of these people are talking about the Libya thing. And then Augustine, of course, was uh, based in what today is the nation of Algeria, modern day Algeria. But Augustine, um, one time, I, I don't know that he said this specifically relative to a plague, but he said, he said, the Holy Spirit works within so that when the medicine is is applied or taken it will mm. have a positive effect mm. and so augustine who ha actually happened to see quite a few miracles um in his book called the city of god augustine recorded 70 specific miracles that mm. he witnessed among his church members and he said there's so many others I can't write about all of the miracles, but he wrote about 70, seven zero. But he said, he said that the Holy Spirit works on the inside so that when we partake of the medicine, it will help the medicine to have a good effect. And Amen. so, you know, I thought it was Oral Roberts that came up with the idea of combining faith and medicine, but it was a lot longer before, um, uh, before Brother Roberts and, you know, and, and, and even Brother Hagen talked about if people can be benefited by the medicine, then by all means, uh, but continue to believe God, even Amen. if you're taking the medicine. So Brother Hagen said, he said, we're for anything that helps people. Amen. And, um, you know, he, he understood there were that healing operated on different levels. 
you know, there's a realm of healing by the word, by faith, by the spirit, but there's a natural. And uh, the gentleman just came on and wished you a happy birthday a few minutes ago. Uh, Pastor Hagen is probably more famous for this statement. The natural and the supernatural coming together make an explosive force for God. And Jesus himself, uh, you know, when he talked about the man who had been beaten and robbed and left yeah. for dead, uh, that the good Samaritan, uh, when the religious people left him alone, wouldn't do anything to help, the good Samaritan came. And what did the good Samaritan do? Used medicine, poured mm. in the oil and the wine, bandages you know, took him to a place where he could rest and heal up and recuperate and, you know, that type of thing. So, um, again, this is a chance for the church, you know, spiritually, naturally. Um, Billy Graham's organization, um, of course, Billy went home to be with the Lord a few years ago, but his son Franklin Graham has an organization called Samaritan's Purse. And um, they, I know they took many, many tents to New York City and set up temporary hospitals to mm. help. And so there's all kinds of things that the church can do. The church can pray. The church, many of my friends here in the States have set up a food distribution because so many people are out of work and they don't have money for food. And so churches are becoming, they're saying, what can we do to serve our community? Yes, we want to preach, but but what else can we do um, to serve and to help our communities? And so the spiritual, the natural, all of that will combine. And uh, and and you know, our message, of course, is always Jesus. But, uh, but Jesus said, "Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify." your father. So the church, this is a great time to be full of good works. I know one church, uh, a friend of mine here in the States, um, they purchased a van. Maybe they already had it, but they redecorated it and all that. And um, and they just sent out word to the community. If, if you are an older person and you cannot go to the grocery store, or if you have some kind of illness that you should not be out, uh, you know, call us and we will go get your groceries. We will bring them to you. So they're serving wow. the community through actions of love. And that's going to make an impact. Amen. 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 I was going to ask you a question just for the records. Um, a few people have, I've heard people say that Brother Tony Cook wrote Midas Touch. Maybe... <laughs> <laughs> you just want to lay it out. <laughs> Did you write it? <laughs> I, I didn't write it. I, I will share with you the history. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of the year. It would have been the late, late 19, it might have been like 1999. Mm -hmm. um, there was so much being said about money. And there were so many things. Much of what was being said was very good. But some things were clearly going to extremes and imbalances. And uh, Keith Moore and I were in the back speaker's room uh, at the Rooker Memorial Auditorium. 
and Brother Hagen had come over uh, because he was going to teach third hour. And um, I think what happened is in, in the, the chapel service, I think they called it share and praise or assembly. I can't remember. There was a 30-minute session. And I think, I think they just had kind of a outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And um, I think they just worshiped. And so Brother Hagen never went out for his class. He just stayed in the back room with, with Keith and I. And Keith and I, I think we asked him a few questions or something like that. And Brother Hagen just took off talking. And, um, uh, and, and so we were there for the whole duration of when Brother Hagen should have been out teaching. Uh, but it was just, it was the three of us in the back speaker's room. Well, in the assembly, it ended, and so all of the teachers come back through that speaker's room, and they see that Brother Hagen is talking to Keith and I, and so they just stop, and they just sit there and start listening to Brother Hagen. Well, Pastor Hagen was there, Mrs. Hagen was there, uh, Pastor and Mrs. Hagen, and so we probably stayed an additional hour. And we just continued our conversation with Brother Hagen uh, like they weren't even there. Uh, they just came in and watched and listened for the next, for an additional hour. Mm. And um, so um, what Brother Hagen was communicating during that time, and it was really with everybody, not just with Keith and I, but uh, was basically much of the material that came out in the book, The Midas Touch, mm -hmm. all those insights, his concerns. He had seen all these financial abuses, manipulation, you know, gimmicks. He had seen all that through the healing revival. And, mm -hmm. and he really believed very strongly that it was financial abuse and false teaching about prosperity. Now, there's a biblical teaching about prosperity. There's truth about biblical yes. prosperity. But these extremes and crazy things and all that. So, so all of that we discussed in that back speaker's room. And mm -hmm. at the end of that time, as we were getting ready to finish, uh, Pastor Hagen said, uh, you know, we need to get this information out. Tony, because Pastor Hagen had me a lot of times help with outlines or things like that. I just the way my brain works, I, I like outlines and systematic stuff. And Pastor Hagen said, Tony, why don't you put what Brother Hagen has been talking about into an outline? And maybe we'll get this out somehow. So I put it into an outline. It was, it was kind of an overview of what Brother Hagen had shared during that time. Some of the questions, and I think, I think in the latter part of that meeting that day, I think some of the other people had some questions and thoughts as well. Um, so I did put that into an outline form, and, um, and then we actually did, a lot of people don't know this, but we actually did a video interview with Brother mm -hmm. Hagen, mm -hmm. where he tried to follow that basic outline. And, you know, mm -hmm. Brother Tokes, it was one of those things when Brother Hagen was doing it spontaneously mm -hmm. in that speaker's room, it was so rich. 
But Brother Hagen was not a TV guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, sir. Now, Pastor Hagen is. Pastor Hagen can sit down and talk to the television just like he's talking to somebody. But Brother Hagen wasn't really comfortable in that environment. And so the videos, honestly, they just weren't that great. The content was good. The content was fine. Uh, but Brother Hagen, he wasn't relaxed in front of a kind of an interview type format that way. So anyway, basically what happened then is that those those um, between the outline and the tra uh, the transcripts of the videos of Brother Hagen sharing these things, that essentially became the book. So did I have something to do with it? Yeah, a little bit. But um, the bulk of that was Brother Hagen, you know, sharing his experiences and his perspectives uh, from, I don't know, how, 50, 60 years of ministry mm. and things that he had seen over the years. So I absolutely assure you that before that book ever went out, Brother Hagen read every word of it, endorsed it, put his stamp of approval on it, and uh, was fully behind its content. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for saying that because people have thoughts. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you're working on a book that's really, you worked on a book, Miracles. Yeah. Yes. You want to tell us something about how we could get copies of it, what the book is about, when it will be out, because it's yeah. really something that speaks into these times, the mm -hmm. supernatural, the miraculous in bringing the harvest in. Yes, very much. This, Brother Tokes, I worked on this book. For one thing, I, I got interested in church history several years ago when I started visiting biblical sites. Um, mm. I've been to Israel, to Greece, to Turkey, to Rome, to Crete, to Malta, to Cyprus. Um, I've been to all seven churches of the book of Revelation, to Athens, to Corinth, to Philippi, to Thessalonica. Um, I've just been privileged to be in those places. And every time I was in those places, I would, I would begin to study the history um, mm. of what happened there. And then I got to start visiting the uh, the later historical sites like um, John Wesley's house in mm. London and where Martin Luther lived and worked in Germany and Zwingli and Calvin and Switzerland, all these historical places. Um, and I just fell so in love with church history that I decided I want to do a master's degree in church history. Mm. And I found what I thought was a good program uh, through Liberty University here in the States. And I did a two and a half year program and the actual degree, it's a master's degree in theological studies with a church history cognate. I didn't even know what the word cognate meant, uh, but a church history emphasis. And um it took me two and a half years, about 30 hours, 25 hours a week. And wow. I just loved studying church history. And one of the things that stood out to me uh, is, is how all through the last 2000 years, there's always been, now there's always been an element of, you know, tradition and ritualism and formalism 
you know, there's always been that element of church history, but there's also always been this element of the moving of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, people, people who are filled with the Spirit, people who believe in the miraculous, uh, people who pray for the sick. And I found out that for 2,000 years, there's been a steady stream of that. It's been more um, intense at certain times than others. But um, of course, all the early church history for the first hundreds of years was around the Mediterranean, you know, all across Northern Africa, Southern Europe, what we call Asia, you know, Turkey mainly, you know, and that in Israel, of course, Turkey in that area. Um, and so um, I just began to find that there, there have always been these uh, and they may have been in the minority, but there were people who were praying for the sick and operating in the gifts of the spirit. And I just decided I'm going to, I'm going to zero in on those individuals hmm. and um, uh, make that a focus of the book. And so that's what the book is. The title of the book is um, Miracles and the Supernatural Throughout Church History. And the subtitle is Remarkable Manifestations of the Holy Spirit from the First Century Until Today. Wow. And so we go through all 20. I'll tell you one thing. I love the material. Uh, I did it by geographical regions instead of doing it just purely chronological. Because I wanted, for example, I wanted everybody to see, okay, these were all the people in Northern Africa, mm. Augustine, Tertullian, um, origin, uh, just different ones across Northern Africa that were so essential. Athanasius, um, mm. to so many people of such uh, powerful ministries in Northern Africa. And then, of course, across Southern Europe, uh, especially in what today is France, you had a lot of individuals, um, Irenaeus of Lyon and um, uh, just so many names we could get into, but um, that had powerful spiritual anointed ministries throughout the ages. And we just, we followed them for 2000 years and put it all together. We are getting uh, the copies. I have a thousand copies coming to my office here in Tulsa. It was supposed to be Thursday, but now they're telling me it's Friday. Uh, we have a tracking number. They're in Indianapolis right now, and they're on a big truck, and they're making their way toward Tulsa. And um, so people can order them on our website. Um, because, it, because of a decision from my publisher, it's not going to be available on ebook until November. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, the, and, and they're not going to release it. My publisher is not going to release it until November, but they wanted me to be able to go ahead and release it now. So our website, which is just TonyCook.org, T-O-N-Y-C-O-O-K-E, there's an E on the end of cook.org, is how that book can be ordered. And so we're so excited about getting it. Um, the book is 333 pages long wow. with more than 440 footnotes because we wow. quote all the early church fathers. I didn't want this book just to be, well, this is my opinion. No, I want to, I want to quote Augustine and tell you what Augustine actually said. 
For example, wow. he said, um, there are so many miracles happening that I cannot write them all down. I wanted, wow. I wanted the people to hear Augustine's own words. And so that's why we have 440 footnotes uh, tracing back to all the original sources. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. So by and going I, to this, I want to mention this. People don't know this, but I asked Brother Tokes if he would write an endorsement for the oh. book. And so you are a part of a handful of ministers oh. that I love and respect. Who we didn't send out the whole book. We sent out a little portion so you'd see what it was. But but I do have a copy coming to you as oh, soon as we better tell us. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And thank it's, you for your endorsement. Oh, thank you much more, sir. Such a big honor. It because um in these last days, since Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, whatever he did in his earth walk, which he's continued to do in the last two thousand years. We can expect him to continue doing those same things. Very much. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Amen. That's one of the major premises of the book. Uh, in the book of Malachi, it says, I am the Lord, I change not. Amen. And of course, the Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's why Amen. we should expect, um, you know, uh, not only does the Bible give, the Bible gives no indication that, that Jesus is going to stop doing that for a thousand years mm. or for 1800 years or something. Um, and history shows that he did not stop. Uh, oh, maybe, maybe people stop believing it. Uh, mm. but Jesus never stopped doing it. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been, um, this has been almost one and a half hours. As we begin to wrap this up uh, tonight, we're going to continue tomorrow. We're going to have other speakers speak in. Uh, as we round up this your session off, sir, um, in talking about, if you want to just give a, a, some last words, maybe about five, seven minutes, about as believers, how should we stand in faith in uh, uh, the face of these situations. How can we, what are things that can help us stay in faith, overcome fears where there are, get out of anxiety? What are things that could help us as believers ride this wave and not just survive it, but thrive and then reach the world with our faith and with the gospel? What are some things you think will boost that? Okay, sure. Well, like so many people, um, you know, I did not, I did not know this was going to happen. And mm -hmm. I would like to be able to say, oh, I'm a prophet. I know everything. Uh, I see everything. I know everything. I was not expecting this. But as I look back over the last year, year and a half, there were a few things that I felt the Lord spoke to me that when this thing happened, I thought, oh, that's what he was getting me ready for. Mm. Um, he, he didn't give me the detail. You know, the Bible says we know in part yes, and sir. we prophesy in part. So yes, I don't know everything. Nobody else knows everything either. But, um, you know, one thing, Brother Tokes, that the Lord had me preaching a lot last year mm. is the 23rd Psalm. Mm. And... I believe that when 
things like this happen, it's very good to go back to the basics, go mm. back to the foundation. Mm. And I had been preaching Psalm 23 uh, for a year, year and a half, not every time, every weekend in every church, but several churches. That was just the message on my heart to share. Mm. And, and then when this happened, um, I sat down and my publisher contacted me and said, Tony, would you write a short book uh, that would help people during this coronavirus situation? And I had already told them that I thought about writing a little book on the 23rd Psalm. And, and so I did that in eight days. Now it's a small book. It's not a big book, but in eight days, I wrote a book on the 23rd Psalm. Mm -hmm. And um, I was, I was impressed with how much, that book ministered to me. Um, someone needs to get my book, uh, but but we need the 23rd Psalm. Yes, sir. Um, the 23rd Psalm is much more important than my book about the 23rd Psalm. Uh, but just to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. Um, get back to that simplicity. Get back Amen. to that foundation. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall mm. not lack. Mm. Um, it's, it's so important to see that that cannot just be David's psalm. That mm. needs to be our psalm. Sir. We, need, we need to own that mm. psalm. Mm. See, I think a lot of people, when they read that, they may read the Lord is my shepherd, but what you know what in their heart they're really reading? The Lord was David's shepherd. Mm. And there's a big difference. Yes, sir. If people read that and say the Lord was David's shepherd, he he would not want. That's mm. impersonal. But yes, I believe I believe the Holy Spirit will take the word of God and make it personal. Amen. Make it just just as though we were the first one to ever utter those words. Amen. My shepherd, Amen. I shall not want. Amen. And I really believe, you know, we have all these statements about faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. You know, all these powerful statements. But but faith, faith is expressed when we own the promise. Mm. And we have to own the promises. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Amen. You are with me. Your Amen. rod and your staff, they comfort Amen. me. They don't just comfort David. They comfort me. Amen. Um, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Oh. Uh, so I would just say owning, owning the scripture, mm. not just letting be intellectual and Paul said this, but, but, you know, just like we've done with first Corinthians 13, you know, instead of just saying love is patient and kind I, because of God's love in me, I Amen. am patient and kind. Um, you know, the word of God always has its objective reality, you know, yes, whether sir. I experience it or not, it's true. Mm. If I, yes, if sir. I never experience any of it, it's still true. Yes, sir. But but there's something really special when we allow the Holy Spirit to help us 
personalize where it becomes real in my heart and my life. And I'd say that's something that when we can um, embrace the promises of God that way, uh, when we embrace the mission of God that way. See, a lot of people might want to personalize, uh, you know, this blessing belongs to me, but what about personalizing our responsibilities? What about the great commission Mm. belongs to me? See, God wants to not just, uh, he doesn't just want us to focus on the rewards of scripture, but also the responsibility of scripture. And I think as the church does that, we'll be blessed individually, but we'll also see ourselves fulfill corporately what Jesus has always wanted the church to Wow, you have a lot of resources on your website yes. uh, that people could visit. Do you, you want to say something about those resources? Even sure. if someone wants to partner, do you want to? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes uh, if people want maybe you want to say something about. We have a little button that people can click on and do that. Um, but one thing that I'm especially, of course, we have the bookstore where people and, and m- many of our books are available on Kindle by ebook and things like that. All of our books are the ones that are released. Um, but the thing that really excites mm-hmm. me, Pastor Tokes, is we have a button there called free resources. And we have literally hundreds of wow. articles and we have audio and video mm-hmm. and it's it's all for free. And so um, we really want people to partake of and benefit from that. We just put something on our YouTube channel recently. Um, And, you know, when I prayed yesterday with that dear mother who had lost her 58-year-old son, her 58-year-old son died of coronavirus, um, I'll be communicating with her. We have on YouTube uh, where I read out loud three chapters from our book called Life After Death, Rediscovering Life After the Loss. And I know some people don't like the word loss when it comes to death, but temporarily they're not with us anymore. I understand they're with the Lord. We didn't lose them. Then like we're never going to see them again. But but I read three chapters uh, out loud and it's free. And I have a chapter called Heaven, The Believer's Hope where we just read everything that the Bible says about heaven and some other things that other people have said about heaven. We have a chapter called Freedom from the Fear of Death. And um, and, and it's a glorious Mm. chapter. What I did was I found dozens of statements that great Christians made right before they left this earth. You know, their last words, they had one foot on earth and one foot stepping into heaven and they basically spoke a blessing as they left or expressed their faith and that's a chapter called freedom from the fear of death because christians don't need to be afraid of death um and then we have another belief another chapter simply called scriptures of hope and peace or something like that where all i do is read out loud scriptures that have to do with the peace of god and the comfort of the holy spirit and things of that nature. That's on our YouTube channel. Um, so that's another resource that, that people can access. But the best way, the best place, simply go to our website 
and uh, click on the button that says free resources. And then they're going to have about 15 options to choose from because we have a whole lot of different categories. And that's something that we are so thankful to have available as a resource to help people. Amen. Thank you so much, sir. It's really been awesome having you this, um, it's night here, afternoon there. Thank you so much, sir. We're so grateful. Maybe you just want to share a word of prayer with uh, the viewers as we yes. wrap this up. Yes. You want me to pray? Please. All right. Heavenly yes. Father, thank you so much for this time with Brother Tokes and with all the great folks, the people in Nigeria and, and even other countries that are watching right now. And Lord, I pray that you would bless uh, just with a supernatural infusion of peace. Uh, let the peace and the comfort and, and the wisdom and, and the faith and the confidence of the Holy Spirit just, just be poured out on people, even rise up within people, because really, Holy Spirit, you're already on the inside of us. And flood will fill your people. And Lord, help us to, to remember to be uh, fully clothed with the armor of God, to have that Amen. helmet of salvation and, and that Amen. shield of faith. And, and Lord, to... Uh, to take every thought captive and to cast down every imagination, to pull down every stronghold. Lord, help us to uh, do what Isaiah said when, when, when it was written, uh, that you will keep him in perfect peace Amen. whose mind is stayed on you. Lord, help us keep our focus on you at this time. And Lord, uh, we pray for healing. People that are watching that may be battling symptoms of different types of things. Lord, we just thank you for the stripes that were laid upon the back of Jesus Christ. Amen. By his stripes, we were healed. And we thank you for the power of the person of the Holy Spirit, just releasing and an enforcement of that right now. And Lord, we just thank you that you, you, you help people that are dealing with pressures and, and even fear. Lord, we thank you that we can come to you. We don't have to run away from you. We can run to you with whatever challenges we're facing. And Lord, we just speak peace into marriages we speak peace into families. And Lord, for people that are dealing with uh, challenges financially right now and natural resources, Lord, we just we just believe you for supernatural provision flooding Amen. into their lives. We thank you for meeting needs, e even Amen. in supernatural ways. Lord, we thank you for divine connections. And Amen. Lord, we thank you for divine guidance and divine leading and divine ideas. Lord, you are going to take care of your people. And we rest in you. We trust in you. We thank you for working powerfully in the lives and the hearts of every single person watching. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much once again, Brother Tony. We are so grateful. And happy birthday, Brother Tokes. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Well, uh, viewers, it's been an awesome time tonight. We'll continue tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. West African time, uh, as well as uh, 7 p.m. Um, in the evening tomorrow. And we'll 
uh, finish up the meetings on Friday, 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. Have a great night's rest and see you tomorrow.